out here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Believe it, and I landed in the wrong place, though you get <laughs> the wrong place. <laughs> Welcome to London, mo. <laughs> he discovered a species hitherto unknown to science. Believe. Maybe there was a party at the zoo and a monkey the fish. A demonstration took place against the police, which degenerated into totally inexcusable violence. There may be some who believe that they have been the victim of injustice. There are others who, like parasites, feed on these beliefs and seek to turn them to their own advantage, deliberately creating hate and violence. These defendants are all guilty of the serious criminal offence. This attack on a black establishment is not an isolated event. Welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and the next Marvel film that I'm looking forward to is the is Spider-Man No Way Home. Take it, producer Dave. Hi, I'm producer Dave, aka David Campbell, and uh, well... I'm just looking forward to seeing a film in the cinema. So, you know, I, I don't care. I think I might go and see Next Time to Die. I don't know. Oh, Next Time to Die. Well, the, well I was thinking Marvel franchise because that's the that's what's getting my juices going at the moment. So I, that's what I want to go for. Uh, we're joined today by uh, a prolific actor. You've seen him in Attack the Block. You've seen him in Small Axe. You're going to be seeing him pretty soon in Bijang Tong's Lockdown. Please introduce yourself and let us know what is what movie do you want to see at the cinema next or right away? Hi. Um, hi, guys. My name is Jermaine Hunter. Um, I guess I can I can say at this point, you've probably seen me around. If not, I hope to see you soon. Um, yeah, right. I, I, I'll agree with you. Um, Spider-Man, that's been I've been waiting to see that for ages, just like the trailer alone like what they're doing with Doctor Strange and the whole kind of like, I, I, I probably have a bit of spoilers, so I won't say too much, but um, what they're doing with the whole kind of multiverse thing is beautiful. Absolutely. No, I, I agree 100%. See, I, ever since, um, ever since uh, Tom Holland popped in as Peter Parker in Civil War, I've been, that's been, he's, he's, he's hands down 
my Peter Parker. I'm like, yes, Tom Holland is rocking it. Anybody who's listened to this show knows I'm a huge um, Tom Holland fan. And then uh, I loved Homecoming. I really, really enjoyed Far From Home. And you're right, it's what seeing, I, I, I tend not to see Marvel trailers. I don't want to see it. But that came out and I was like, okay, I have to see it just once so that I can see it far, you know, long, long, long time away from the movie when the movie comes out so I can forget what I've seen so far. And there are elements in it that stick with me. The Doctor Strange part, there's a, the other characters that pop in. You mentioned the multiverse. Absolutely. The way, because it's all of the internet, what's going on with it. So it's like, yes, okay, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Again, anyone who's listened to the show knows that. So that's great. Uh, but you listen to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. Yeah, and I'm producer Dave. Not looking forward and to listen to any more spoilers about Spider-Man. I've been oh, no, deliberately I'll, 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 staying away I'll, I'll, from it. I'll, I'll watch it and I'll spoil it for you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank uh, you. We're joined, we're joined by actor uh, Jamon Hunter. Uh, Jamon Hunter, you're going to tell us a lot uh, about your projects in a few minutes. We're going to do a spotlight section in a bit where we're going to talk to you about the latest film that you're in, Lockdown, which is Bijan Tong's film. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other films that you've been in. I want to I want to talk Attack the Block and the uh, the sequel to Attack the Block is coming up. I want to I want to try and see if I can get some some juicy gossip from you about that in a few minutes. And we'll talk about your career and how you got to where you are so far. Before we do any of that stuff, we're going to jump into film and TV news. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko, and I'm joined uh, by one of our favorite guests, friend of the show. Uh, he's, an, he's, a, he's a filmmaker on the rise. He's going to be stratospheric in, in a year or two tops. Uh, uh, please tell us your name and the film that you have just come out, you've just, you've just had released. Um, yep. Hi. Good to see you again, Marcus. Uh, this is Bijan Tong, uh, and I wrote and directed and produced Lockdown. Yes. And last week, um, myself and producer Dave had the pleasure of, uh, of attending the premiere for Lockdown. And we said this the week before, how when you came on the show, you spoke about uh, how, how much of a, a scale you had to climb to actually try or mountain to climb to get this project done because it was completely shot in 2020 during the height of COVID, but it's a global film. Uh, tell us, for those people who didn't get the chance to listen to the previous episode, tell us what is Lockdown all about and what's the unique selling point about Lockdown? Sure, um, so Lockdown is based on the title, um, set during the lockdown that we've had uh, last year over the, over the global pandemic. And it tells the story of an actor uh, with toxic views uh, who enters a video audition uh, and the cast and director puts him through his paces. Essentially, he has to pass a series of tests or else someone around him will die. Um, and uh, we, we shot this on location. So we try to shoot it on location around the world. We didn't want to make a Zoom movie and we managed to get a global cast. So we had Xander Berkeley uh, from The Walking Dead and Terminator 2 play the cast and director. In the UK, we of course had Kevin Leslie, uh, Jermaine Hunter, who um, viewers might remember as Hi Hats from Attack the Block. Um, and, uh, and of course in Hong Kong, uh, we had actresses like Anita Choi and, and so forth um, uh, in this truly global cast. 
Uh, so the idea was, can we do this pulse-pounding thriller that explores the events of 2020 uh, in the framework of, of, yeah, of what's essentially saw without the torture porn. And it's funny, it's funny you mentioned Jermaine Hunter. We're about to speak to him straight after this segment. We're going to be having an interview with Jermaine Hunter talking about his involvement in the project. And I don't want to talk, I don't want to explain too much now. Let him get to explain his character because uh, we were watching in the premiere and when he popped up, because I know you had mentioned to me that he was in it. And I was like, okay, I'm waiting to see him pop up. And he pops up and his character and that sequence, that's that subplot is, is, is it's great in the story because it's sort of, it comes out of nowhere. Well, no, no, it doesn't, it does. It does come out of nowhere because of the way it's building and you're expecting to be following one character. And then all of a sudden the story, the story sort of splits and then follows uh, Jermaine's character and his group of people, and then it goes off in a different direction. I was, I even said to you straight after the premiere, I was very impressed at the scale of what it was that you did, what you managed to achieve with this project. You've just said how it's a global project, right? So you shot on location, and you mentioned this in the last uh, episode. Uh, how did you manage to get all of those because it's not not just a zoom meeting in a zoom film you had a zoom section in the film but then you had your location settings as well what was the uh, what was the process that you had to follow to be able to get that filming done in every single location across the globe um so yeah it's definitely a tough time uh pre-production uh it was me literally flying back and forth uh, so we were setting up different production teams. We had a team in Hong Kong. We had a team in the UK. Um, during the Zoom segments, you'll see um, someone from Japan. That was actually on set. <laughs> so we had a crew there, <laughs> a set there, and making it look like a Zoom call. Uh, and then we had um, the theatrical cut doesn't show this, but uh, we have an extended version, which was shot in Italy. <laughs> so we also had an Italy side. Uh, and then we had a US side with, uh, with Xander. Uh, so, yeah, it was just me flying around and then anywhere which I couldn't go to. So, for example, the US, because the borders were closed, I would have to direct remotely. Um, and, yeah, so it was just about logistically setting all that up and then moving back and forth. That, so you were fl- it's like you racked up all the air miles, just jumping from one bit to the next, getting that done. Yeah. Were, you the <laughs> only, were you the only one consistent crew member, cast member. I mean, you weren't in the film unless I missed your cameo in there, your Hitchcock cameo in there. Um, but, <laughs> but were you the only cast member or member of the crew who basically went to every single location across the globe? Yeah, I do have a cameo. Uh, the very opening of a different Zoom shot, there's a quick one of me. <laughs> but it's quite hidden among all the sea of faces. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was literally me just flying around to meet these different teams. So I figured for health and safety reasons, we need to minimize it. So it was just myself taking a lot of COVID tests every time before a flight, every time I get to the next place, COVID test, COVID test, COVID test. Um, uh, so there was always an ongoing joke, but I'm probably the safest person there in the world right now. I should be <laughs> afraid of everyone. Because <laughs> I, I do remember when you were, when you were shooting it and we you sort of, you, you're coming in for literally a week and then you're flying back out. You're going to someplace else to get it done. Like I said, it, um, it, it is, and, and it, again, with with the amount of work that you've had to done, you've just described it to get this project done within a year, because literally you started shooting in 2000, in 2020, and we're yeah. just in October, and you've just had your premiere. Uh, when can people 
expect to see this film? I know it's sort of, you're at the stage where you're still, you're, you're marketing it, um, but when can people expect to see this film? Sure, um, so there are two ways. One is towards the end of November, we're going to be looking at a traditional release, um, November 23rd. At the very same time, I partnered with a company, uh, Marvian Media. Uh, the idea was because a film explores what's going on today, uh, and NFTs were also a part of a cultural zeitgeist currently, uh, we decided to engage in creating or minting NFTs of a film. Uh, so essentially, we um, we were creating these NFTs. So we created five NFT copies of Lockdown, five in the world. Uh, and we're going to be releasing or auctioning two copies in two weeks' time. Okay, so and those NFTs. Now, for people who don't know, and we're going to be talking to uh, the interim CEO of Marvion next week, Julianne So, talking a little bit more about NFTs. But for those people who may not be able to catch that episode, what is an NFT? So an NFT is a non-fungible token. Uh, so essentially it's, um, I guess the, the biggest, the best explanation as a quick one is compare the Mona Lisa to a banknote. <laughs> the banknote, you can just keep creating copies, copy after copy, the Mona Lisa, there is only just one. And essentially with a non-fungible token, it's about that ownership that you have that, that that is yours. Hence there's scarcity, hence there's rarity. Uh, so in this case, what we've done with lockdown is we've only made five. So only five in the world, that's it. Uh, and so it becomes something that's unique for, especially for, for collectors. Okay, so I, I do have tons of questions about <laughs> NFTs, but I'm not gonna ask you because I'm gonna ask uh, Julian, Julian next week. <laughs> uh, so, because yes, it's gonna, it's gonna rack up. I've, I've, done a, I've done the most research, which is a couple of Wikipedia searches on NFTs. So I'm gonna no, annoy him a lot next week <laughs> asking- No, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a lot. Um, I mean, one announcement we made back in July is we're making a show called Crypto Keepers, which is Asia's first NFT drama series. It's, uh, it's about American bankers competing with Hong Kongers to create the next Bitcoin. Uh, so international, again, in scope, but we wanted to create an NFT element where that would have a part in the story. So it creates more immersive entertainment, more user engagement interaction where our behaviors of NFTs impact the storyline. Uh, and with lockdown, it became the world's first hybrid NFT movie and Asia's first NFT feature film. Uh, so we're quite proud of that achievement. And that's, that's, it's great that you actually you mentioned that particular project. We will talk about that in just a second. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with filmmaker Bijang Tong, who has just premiered his, uh, his, globe, his international uh, movie, Lockdown, which is shot in 2021, and it's going to be coming out pretty soon. Uh, but you just mentioned a project that you are you're planning on working on, which is to do with cryptocurrencies. Um, and it, it, it's the pitch alone kind of reminded me a little bit of a TV show that's on Amazon Prime called Startup, which is mainly about, uh, it, again, it's about cryptocurrency. I believe there is one of the characters invents crypto, their own form of cryptocurrency, um, which carries on. It's part of the storyline. I highly recommend checking out this show, um, uh, Startup. It's got Martin Freeman in it for a couple of seasons. It's got uh, Ron Perlman in it. Uh, it's a very just awesome um, uh, TV show. So the one that you're now creating, which is about the American bankers versus the, uh, the is it for Chinese Hong bankers? Kongers. Oh, so from Hong, uh, Hong Kong. Kong, a Hong Kong group, uh, poor young Hong Kongers. So is that currently uh, is that currently in development or are you yeah. in pre-production? Are you making it uh, currently in development uh, to shoot early next year? Well, by shoot, I think I'm more like shooting towards the end of spring. 
Um, okay. So we've already been setting everything up, preparing in terms of where we're going to be shooting the US, the UK and Hong Kong. And uh, just, I may have missed it. Did you say it's going to be a film or you're going to do it as a TV series? A series, uh, 12 episodes. Yeah, that, that makes that sense because as you said, you want people to interact with sort of with what's yeah. going on in it. Um, so is, is it, and I, I may have, I may have misunderstood your pitch when you said you want them to interact with the cryptocurrency and it sort of ties in with the storyline. Is it going to be something like, and, and very weird comparison, <laughs> but like the X Factor and the reality TV shows where it's like the, you know, after episode one, audience members go in and they see which of the cryptocurrencies they might want to buy and use. And then that, will that sort of influence the actual story itself? Or is it a case where no matter what the people, you know, the audience does, it won't affect the story, but it's just a way of them being able to play along with what's going on. So a mixture of both, but yes, you can impact the storyline. Um, so the idea is we actually, so we have season one and it's really between seasons one and two that the viewers, the users can engage with that. So for example, I mean, I'm not gonna release everything, uh, but I'll give you one example. Um, I've mentioned that there are two competing teams of so the American bankers and the young Hong Kongers. And so for example, there are gonna be character cards as NFTs uh, of both groups. And if you can manage to collect all of them, so you join and create a group among yourselves and collect the character cards of all the Americans, then by collecting all of them, that gives them a boost. So that in the story, they get something, they get a benefit in the, in the storyline that will help them in their competition, in their rivalry against the Hong Kong group. And vice versa, if you, if you manage to support the Hong Kong side, then they'll get a bit of a boost, a bit of a power up on the, in the storylines. Oh, that's awesome. So, so it, all, all of the audience participation happens in between seasons. It gives you the opportunity to be able to restructure what the story will be for season two. Yeah. And I, that's great because it sort of, it, it's, it helps... Um, it, it, obviously, everyone's now prepared for season two because they want to see what the result of what happened during yeah. the break, during the season break, what yeah. happened. And then we start off. So you could have characters pretty much at their lowest point at the end of season one. But at the start of yeah. season two, it's like, hey, guess who's a millionaire? And they step in and that's, <laughs> that's what it is. I like that idea. It's sort of, it, it, it does involve the audience a lot more in the storytelling and it's good. So I can't wait for that project. You say you're filming next year. Uh, what, yes. other, what other projects are you working on except, uh, other than that one? Um, so uh, when I'm flying back, so I'm flying back this weekend to Hong Kong, uh, we're shooting a drama series called Forensic Psychologist. Uh, so it's a half hour drama series about a psychologist who interviews a different criminal each episode to decide if they are mentally fit to stand trial. Uh, and I consider myself quite fortunate. We built an all-star cast uh, and I literally mean you know, a who's who uh, of, of actors and actresses. Um, and we've created this, well, what I hope will be a riveting storyline that would have audiences engaged as we explore mental health within the criminal justice system. Um, we're also developing simultaneously an English language version of that uh, with a co-founder of Kudos behind Life on Mars, Spooks, Humans, Utopia, uh, Debbie Mason. Uh, so you, as you, you mentioned that in the last time you were here as well, um, with, the, with, with forensic psychologists, uh, I know as you're doing the uh, Asian version, when you come to do the BBC version, or I say BBC, it's not BBC, but it's with kudos. Do you have sort of a timeline? And I'm saying that mainly for some of the actors who, who listen to <laughs> us, uh, who just uh, so yeah. might want to get involved <laughs> in that project. Sure, uh, English language, so she co-founded Kudos, but uh, it might not be with Kudos. We are engaging with, with various uh, broadcasters, both in the UK and the US right now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the idea is early next year. 
Um, it, it was supposed to be January, but because we had to push the production of the Hong Kong version uh, to November, uh, we decided to delay the English language version as well. Uh, but, uh, but still we're looking at Q1 next year. Uh, and, and yeah, so we're doing that. And then after that, we're doing a zombie movie. That, that, I can't wait to hear more about that. <laughs> as soon as you get going with it, please come back on the show to tell us more. And if there happens to be a part for a motor mouth podcaster, radio host, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to pitch. I'm just going to be shameless yeah, about it. I'm happy to <laughs> chuck my hat into the ring. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to, to do, even if it's just a, a cleaner, just a janitor, I'll shamelessly promote myself in that regard. So Bijang, thank you very much for joining us and we'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Marcus. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. I'm producer Dave. And that was my conversation with uh, filmmaker Bijang Tong talking about his film Lockdown. Uh, we've talked, we talked quite a lot about that film over the last few weeks. And we have one of the actors in that film, Jermaine Hunter, who's joined us. And we're going to do the next segment and just basically focus on the next segment until the end of the show, just talking to him about his career and everything that he's been doing uh, in the meantime. Uh, so let's do that straight away. Let's jump straight into Spotlight. So I've mentioned it a couple of times now. We are joined by Jumaine Hunter. Jumaine, I wanted to talk to you first of all. Let's uh, we. I want to. I want to start because I. I always improvise my questions, and I. I should plan. There are a lot of um, interviewers out there who listen to my show and cringe because they know that I'm just improvising rather than preparing. Uh, Producer David said, "No, you know what? You need to improve by preparing your questions." But I don't like doing that. Actually, actually, as an actor, improvisation is important. There's a really good skill, so. Keep doing what you're doing, bro. We're gonna get along like a house on fire. So, <laughs> let's, so let's let's start off first of all. Um, and we'll, I first found out about you from uh, Attack the Block. Uh, it was in 2011 when that film came out. So I want to start with you first of all. Talk to me. Um, how, how did how did you get involved with Attack the Block, and then we'll move from there. Wow. Okay. So. Oh, it was a really beautiful process, actually. Um, something that kind of, as far as I'm concerned, kind of really happens in the acting world or maybe in the way that it did. So um, on a previous film that I did, um, that basically I must have impressed the right person because um, I got put up for Attack the Block, but I also got put up, um, everyone auditions, but I got put up with kind of like a good, good foundation behind me um being reliable on time getting my lines right all the time being cool to be around those kind of things like on a set presence things like that so when i went in there um i was actually given a couple of scenes i was given a couple of characters um i, I didn't know where it was going to go and um i kind of just had the confidence at the time i was just like you know what um I, oh sorry at the time in my life i was kind of i was just going to uni so um, funny enough, I just started my first day when um, I got the call that I got the part. And um, so prior to that, when I was doing the audition, I had kind of no fear. I, I, that's kind of parcel and parcel, I guess. Like you have to have no fear as an actor, but 
I felt really, really good that day. I went crazy on the improvisation, <laughs> like we were saying. I, I went absolutely ape. And um, I guess Joe was just impressed by the end of it because um, they called my agent, they called me and was like, hey, listen, um, we were messing around with characters and whatnot, but high hats, that's for you. Yeah, and that's uh, Joe, as in Joe Cornish, the, the writer and director of uh, Attack the Block. And you just mentioned you played high hats, uh, who, who um, if, I would say is the human villain in in the film. So the storyline uh, attack the block. It's basically set in uh, council estate in London when aliens land and they basically attack the tower block. And it's uh, this group of uh, youngsters who have to basically save Earth by fighting these uh, these uh, aliens that have landed. You play high hats, the uh, the sort of a a drug kingpin in the tower block who acts as the the human antagonist to John Boyega's character, who's the the, the lead character in it. Um, I, I don't. I, it's it's 2011. I can spoil it, right? I can spoil it. Oh, you yeah, block, yeah. You, High Hats doesn't die at the end of at the end of Attack the Block. Is that correct? You know, it's it's kind of left a bit open there. Okay. Uh, because uh, there's, there's amazing. There's one scene in particular with High Hat's character. It's been a while since I've watched this. Is the the elevator scene? I'm just going to say the elevator scene is one of my favorites with High Hat's. Uh, it, it, you you again. It's a it, you you are very you you are very what is the word? A, a memorable in the way you you portrayed that character. You brought menace to the character that wasn't overstated. Um, and you you're pretty much swinging with some heavy hitters in in the film as well. You had Nick Frost. You had uh, Jodie Whittaker. It was John Boyega's first film, if I'm not mistaken. And then obviously we now know where he's ended up. Uh, but yeah, you held your own and you're right. Uh, the fact that you improvised and Joe Cornish uh, decided that's what he liked about it. Um, with the fact of improvisation, what kind of tips can you give to other actors who are sort of at the start of their career going into what could essentially be their big break and them having the thought of, should I improvise or should I not? What should I do? What kind of advice can you give to actors who are going in that situation? With acting, I would say that we are definitely a tool to the overall, um, the overall movie. So we're just a small cog in the piece of the machine that is the movie. Um, but as even smaller cog, it's important to put in 110%, 1000% into every scene. Even if you're in the background, even if you're a background artist, put in 110%. Um, a great example I'll give, uh, one of my favorite films is Mean Girls. And every single, like seriously, um, as an actor, if you wanna be an actor, I think personally, study this film because every single background artist in that film absolutely crushed it. They they did their character 110% and they built the world around them. Like, so as the camera, the camera can pan 360 degrees and you're still catching the world. You'll never see the strings kind of thing. Um, with that comes, you have, you have to have a, a confidence, definitely. Um, don't let anything um, hold you back. Don't hold yourself back. Don't, don't think about the consequences because you never know what could come of something that you just try. Um, just don't have the fear to try something new. Obviously, if you're asked to do something specific, so if you're asked to do, for example, a scene or an audition or something like that, then I would advise, obviously, do what they ask, but still work your own magic into that because it's important as an artist to actually portray your art. You're on the set and you're on the movie or you're, on, you're in the scene for a reason. 
there is a reason you're there. You worked hard to get there. It might have taken a long time, but remember, you got there. So there's a reason you're there. So enjoy it. That's very important to enjoy what you're doing. As long as you're enjoying it, you understand it, then you know what you can and can't do. You can find those little gray areas and mess around and whatnot. And if you if you do it right, then hopefully you have a good rapport with the director you're working with. They'll let you flex. They'll let you try stuff out and you never know. That's excellent advice. Uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And we're joined by actor in uh, from uh, Attack the Block, uh, from Dom Henningway uh, in Infinite and a number of other films as well. Also in Bijang Tong's Lockdown, uh, Jermaine Hunter. Uh, I mentioned uh, Dom Henningway, which is uh, starring Jude Law. Uh, and it, your character, again, again, another memorable character, even, even if it's just with the aesthetics of how you show up uh, with that massive, glorious afro, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a great piece. But one, a couple of movies I want to jump into, um, because obviously you didn't want to give us a spoiler about whether you're brought back in the sequel for Attack the Block. So I caught that where you decided to, to leave it. I'm not going to push. I'm going to wait for the sequel to Attack the Block to come out and I'll see if you pop up in there. But you've also worked with a hero of mine in a couple of uh, projects, uh, Idris Elba. You worked on um, Gorilla and you worked on um, Yardi. So let's start with Gorilla first. Uh, it is a, a TV series. Um, tell us what. Tell us the, uh, what the story of Gorilla is about, and tell us about your character in Gorilla. Well, Gorilla. Gorilla is. Um... How do I even start? It's politically, Gorilla is set in the 70s in London and uh, is about basically the black right movement and um, the birth of the British Black Panther movement. Also um, has ties to the IRA, things like that. And basically is for predominantly, I don't wanna give too many spoilers, but about the struggle, about finding, um, ethnic people in London finding their place and finding their voice, but also basically trying to fight back against the oppression. Um, and it has a glorious cast, absolutely glorious cast. Um, it was shot amazingly as well. I feel so privileged to have been on that shoot specifically. And um, I have a nice little story for you guys because um, I have another unique thing with my career where there's something kind of special it's managed to go full circle but i'm sure we'll get to that but um, okay please so share, share the story yeah oh, oh should i go for it now yeah go for it please absolutely okay so um small acts um was with steve mcqueen which i also managed to be in um so thank my lucky stars but um, Small Axe is also based on the same story at the same time, just from a different perspective. So um, very interestingly, I've managed to do the same historical piece from two completely different ends of the board in two completely different times. And it's been absolutely amazing. Like, I, I actually can't believe that. And we we love we adore small acts on this show. Um, we uh, we've talked we've talked to a number of uh, people connected with small acts. Uh, one of the the writers uh, on on the uh, on the project as well came on the show and talked about small acts. Steve McQueen. We love the we love that series. And you, the fact that you said it's connected, it's sort of you're repeating that same uh, storyline. 
Um, and I, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to get political. I know guerrilla is about, is about politics, so it's small acts. Uh, it's sort of that era and that sort of story is really powerful. It's really, it's, it's good material for actors uh, or, you know, black actors, uh, actors of color to be able to get something meaty to perform because you have, uh, you know, you have the rebellion, you have the, the riots, the revolution coming out. It's kind of like our version of, uh, the Americans doing Civil War reenactments and Civil War films, where it's like they're the heroes, right? So it's that, that's that's their opportunity, whatever. And, but obviously for Black actors in America, it's always slave dramas and slave pictures, where it's like they have to play slaves, which is problematic in itself. Whereas in the UK, if we could do more and more projects where you have more heroic Black characters coming out from history, it tends to be around that particular era. Um, so what did you, I mean, you as well, bringing your own, as you said, you improvise quite a lot. You're allowed to improvise. Uh, what sort of went through your mind when you were working on on either project, either Gorilla or Small Axe? What went through your mind when you said you're going to be portraying these real characters uh, in a way that is obviously poignant and is going to make a mark? Because essentially people are looking at you thinking, right, this is a black actor, black British actor. What am I going to do? What went through your mind when you were working on those characters? You know what? Initially, it was probably, um, for lack of a better term, pressure, because I thought to myself, well, that's the, the world as a whole doesn't know we're doing this project yet, or they don't know what to expect. But when it does land, um, when it is received, um, I wasn't thinking so much of how it would be received, but just on the fact that I'm portraying someone real. I'm portraying a real scenario. This happened to people. This is actually my history. So I feel responsible for getting the story right. I feel responsible for portraying it so the next generation can understand. And um, I felt responsible for kind of uh, now kind of initiating that conversation. And it, it was a bit daunting at first, but what was really nice was that the people I was working with, like Idris, especially Idris, um, were really big support and they were really encouraging and they really knew their history and they really knew what they were doing. So they were so confident and so strong and felt so strongly about what they were doing. It was, it was pretty easy to follow and to kind of like fall under their wing, you know? And yeah, using that analogy, I felt like I went from flapping to just soaring because I was like, okay, I can see where this is going to go. And, and at the end of the day, um, you're an adult, you do have a responsibility as an actor, as, um, as an artist, as a man, to tell the truth, to be a part of it. And the fact that I'm, I, I, I'm privileged enough to be a part of British and Black history and to try and be an advocate for that change like that pressure kind of turned to to just blessings really i felt blessed so um that's why i kind of say it's very important to enjoy what you're doing but also to understand what you're doing we did a lot of research a lot a lot of research especially for small acts a lot of research um we were given books to read and i'm so thankful for it like i'm i will probably see I'm a, I'm a big reader and um it's really important to understand the history so you can now have those conversations and man like I, that that's one side of it but the other side of it was just pure enjoyment like I was crazy I was like yeah man I get to work with these guys and did this like and with Idris um with Idris going from uh, uh Gorilla to Yardi 
um, that was awesome as well, because um, obviously we worked together once already, so we had that kind of rapport. But like, on the one hand, it, it's super cool working with your heroes. On the other hand, it's even cooler to know that your heroes are now your friends. So it's insane. Yeah, I, well, I, I have I have tons of questions to ask about that because again, a lot of people who listen to the show know that I adore Idris Elba. So we're going to be talking about that in a second. Producer yeah. Dave, you've got a question to ask? Yeah, I was going to ask Jade. You said uh, you said that during Small Axe, you you were given lots of um, material to research on. Did you actually meet? the characters that you were going to portray to, to sort of like round out the, the, you know, the nuances and everything else about that? Now, the majority of the main characters who were still alive, they did actually meet up with their characters in real life. Mm. And um, they, they had conversations and whatnot. There were a couple of times when we met, um, in fact, the family were um, loosely involved. So, um, grandchildren and children and things like that they were loosely involved with um behind the scenes production things like that obviously like getting to know them as real people and trying to portray them and like understanding their nuances and things like that um not all of us had that opportunity um unfortunately god the character i played godfrey miller he um he's actually gone or turned up missing um quite a while ago he just he basically disappeared off the face of the earth so um family members as well no idea so I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to meet and like dive into his real life and whatnot but fortunately some of the characters did and well yeah hopefully i i, I think personally it did show on screen like malachi kirby for example um good friend of mine amazing actor like what he did with that role um j just going from a bit of a sidetrack just to shout him out but like what he did behind the scenes in preparation for those roles. Amazing, amazing work, absolutely amazing work. And it can only be done with all of the research that we did. So yeah, excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we're talking with actor Jumaine Hunter. You may have seen him in films such as Attack the Block, uh, you've seen him on TV in Gorilla and Small Axe, which we were just talking about. Uh, he's he's also been in other films such as uh, Yardi. You mentioned Yardi, which was directed, which is um, uh, Idris Elba's feature film directorial debut. Um, so tell us, how what was it like working with? Uh, you you just you said it yourself. Your own words were uh, working with your hero, and then your hero becoming your friend. So tell us what that progression is like. And I'm going to do my best not to ask you to try and get Idris Elba on this show <laughs> and whatnot. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best not to ask. Um, Producer Dave is going to stop me from asking if I try. No, I'm not. So I'll do I'm, not my gonna, best no I'm not going to stop, stop you. Fair um, enough. Okay, <laughs> that, that's good. But I'll do my best not to ask. So what was it like? I mean, you, you sort of walk us through the whole, how it walk us through his process as well as a director, because we got the opportunity to watch a preview screening of uh, Yardi. Um, I loved it, but again, I'm biased. So, and I, I thought Amel Amin crushed it. I think he's one of the British actors, a black British actor that is severely underrated. I don't know why he's not in more, um, but yeah, I thought he crushed it in that film. Tell us, what was it like working, being on set with Idris Elba, with Amel, working on that project, going through the motions? Now, okay, another nice story for you guys. My first, well, no, my, my first movie 
um, my first actual movie was Fallout. And um, it's very, 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 very old movie, but also starring Amel Amin. And um, so we met when I was quite young and um, he's always been like a big brother to me. So um, behind the scenes, or actually don't worry about that, but basically when I've ended up on set, now and I'm with a male. I'm just you, like you can't, you can't, you can't start say, you can't, you can't start saying uh, saying a story and then go you know no, no forget about that forget about that and then move on. Basically, it's it's kind of a bit of a a bit of a myth in our industry. But um, sometimes your name will come up in conversation, and if your name comes up multiple times or from multiple sources, then obviously it's a name to look at. So what I heard through the grapevine is that my name kept coming up in conversation and um Idris was one person a male's another person a producer's another person etc so that was kind of the catalyst and then I've been auditioned all of that kind of stuff ended up on the set and like I was saying it's amazing because I'm going to myself wait a minute big bros here big big bros here this is awesome I'm like th this is probably Yardi was probably the project that um I got to mess around the most on and um just it was just pure enjoyment like at any point if you told me i was acting i'd be like huh because i i genuinely was having too much fun um so working... which came first yardi or gorilla oh gorilla and then yardi afterwards yeah so okay. um it was nice to have that kind of little rapport with him with idris um, beforehand and kind of get to know what he's like on set and which leads to his process. Now, um, I've had the privilege of working with a great many directors, um, some of them really prestigious. Um, and this is before Steve McQueen. Um, working with Idris is unique because he's an actor. So as an actor, he knows what an actor works like. He knew how to get the best out of us. He knew how to um, kind of push us into the direction that he wanted the scene to go but so easily it flowed. It was just so quick and um, efficient. And um, his team even, I have to give a shout out to his team. Like this is probably something a lot of people don't think about, but behind the scenes you have like all the people putting up the sets. You have the people doing makeup and like um, hair and costume and all these kind of things. Those guys were great as well. Like they were, professional isn't even the word, like they were like a family and everything was so unbelievably smooth. Um, by the time, like the last days of when I was going to wrap were coming up, I was literally like on the verge of tears. So I was like, I don't want to go. This is like the best set I've probably been on in a very long time. And it, he, how he gets into directing mode is awesome. Like when he's on it, he's on it. Like he sees things that the, the, the only other person I've seen that's like him is actually Steve McQueen. Um, the things that they see their eye for detail is like a hawk um great example steve mcqueen we had um a background of about i'll say 300 400 people um massive wide shot and um he's like i don't know a couple hundred meters away in this like tent thing they put up with a little screen so they can see what's going on they're just away from the action and he comes running down ran into the crowd ran up to a guy and was like do up your tie ran off i was like wow like I, I wouldn't have seen that at all, but his eye for detail, and that's what makes them directors. So yeah, it was a, it was a great process. I learned a lot. I learned a lot what it means to be an actor. I learned about good directing. I learned about um, co-stars and how to really, really work a scene. And 
these things I managed or well, I'm happy to take them into other other um, projects and would, I'm grateful for it. Would that be something that you would then want to then pursue as in directing as well? Because obviously Idris Elba has been on tons of film sets before he's worked with amazing directors, Ridley Scott and a whole bunch of other, and Guillermo del Toro, et cetera. And so he, he's obviously picked up and learned all of that. Um, and that that's obviously informed how he's how he's um, he, he's he's become a director. In fact, one of the points I kind of raised, we, David and I were talking about this when we saw Yardi was it had a lot of Scorsese in it, the way it was shot, the way it was edited. Um, and it was it was great. It was Scorsese for black people, essentially, uh, or it was Scorsese film for black people. Um, is that something that you think you might want to go and do yourself as well as in direct? Or do you feel acting is your is where you want to stick in and stay there and basically exist as the actor what a good question i'm so glad you asked that as well funnily enough um i'd i'd, I'd, I'd always written stuff like i kind of jot down ideas and um especially over the lockdown um basically i've just been jotting down ideas and i show a couple of my acting friends and they were just like bro these are actually like quite good ideas like do more so um, I started messing around with like the cameras and whatnot, like being on the other side of the camera for once. And I found I actually kind of really love it. Like um, I have been thinking about putting on something actually. Um, I'm working on writing an action flick at the moment. Um, nice, I, okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mixed martial artist. In fact, in my, in my spare time, well, in fact, since COVID started specifically, um, I've done Kung Fu my whole life more or less. But when COVID started, I, um, started training in Muay Thai um, to kind of keep me grounded and like put my energy towards something like, cause I, I'm, I love being physical. And um, it really inspired me to kind of write something and like start looking towards that. So I've been doing loads of camera tests with like martial arts scenes. Like, I'm, like at the moment I'm covered in bruises like cause me and my team have just been going crazy trying to get shots. But yeah, directing is definitely, definitely something that I would love to pursue. Um, that's fantastic and when you when you get your project up and running or even if you're just developing the project and want to talk more about it we'd love to have you back on the show so you can talk more about that as well and uh, and we're happy to promote and obviously we won't keep bothering you to get Idris Elba on our show but uh, I, I said I wasn't going to ask so it's fine you're, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM I'm Marcus E. Ako and I'm David Campbell aka Producer Dave and I'm saying to you Jay Hunter he won't ask but I will we're such a great team, Dave. So, um, uh, Jay, uh, Jen, would you mind, uh, Jermaine, would you mind uh, answering uh, producer Dave's question? Sure. Yeah, I said um, I'll, I'll try. But um, I obviously can't promise anything. He's a very, very, very busy man. So I'll see what I can I'm sure, of course, but we appreciate it. Um, so let's, let's, let's wrap up the questions with uh, talking about Bijang Tong's lockdown. So we've, we've been talking for a couple of weeks about the project. We went to see the premiere recently. Uh, tell, us, uh, who your, tell us your character and uh, what, you, what your character is to lockdown. Try and tell us as much as you can without giving any spoilers. Okay, so in lockdown, I play AJ. And um, AJ's role kind of, um, I guess I start out, being very uh, stereotyped but that stereotype um evolves over time and that evolution leads to uh the penultimate kind of roundup of the movie and 
hopefully, hopefully, um, as AJ's character is supposed to do, and I done it justice, then he's kind of an explanation into, or maybe a bridge is a better word, of um, what socially some people might kind of want to question and kind of stare away from. Let's just put it like that. So the social eye, I would say. Or society's eye, maybe that's a good way of saying it. A yeah, very enigmatic I, explanation. Uh, exactly. Hey, he he stuck to what we asked him, not to give any spoilers. Uh, so you you were part uh, you were part of the UK contingent on the project because as we've talked about on numerous uh, occasions, the uh, Bijang had to jump from one country to the next to get that done. Uh, and you shot this during lockdown. So what sort of measures did you, what what went through your, your mind? How did that affect your process with regards to going on set in the middle of the pandemic in the, in London? Wow, yeah, so just, just the whole pandemic itself, like not having a certain amount of people being allowed to be on set. Um, obviously we will have to test and whatnot frequently. So like kind of what was going through my mind mostly was just, okay, at this moment in time, at that sorry, at that moment in time, we didn't know exactly what was going on. Um, so we were just trying to stay as safe as we could, stay within the law and all them kind of things. And it was hard, very difficult. And mostly we're just thinking about safety. Um, I bit to Bijan because he's like the reason I jumped on the project, he he reached out to me, um, sent me an email, um, sent me the script, and then um that he told me he was a fan of mine. We we spoke over a couple of weeks, and um, when I agreed to get involved, that was kind of one of the the main things, like keeping the safety there, but also trying to get the best out of it. So, within reason, it was really, really, really hard, really hard to film. Um, it's quite difficult to film in places anyway because of locations and costs and timing and the public and things like that. But with the whole pandemic as well, it was a it was a new layer of difficult that I'd never experienced before. So I'm quite I was quite taken back when he initially said he wanted to do it. Cause I was just like, okay, like it, I love doing new things. I love trying out new technologies. Um, being the first to play with a new camera or you know things like this. Um, but this for me was just. It was a project that I kind of had to get involved with, definitely just on a on a technical scale, because uh, technically okay. I wanted to just kind of push it. But sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, and with that, obviously, because that was shot in the height of the pandemic. So, uh, you know, productions were trying to feel their way through. Um, mm. Have you found have you found things have changed from your perspective? Uh, has the the way things are working in the film industry changed for actors uh, in, in that regards, with regards to dealing with COVID and pandemic and lockdown and restrictions, et cetera. Do you feel from your perspective that things have changed for either the better or the worse? Oh, well, it's definitely changed. Um, I'm not sure as to yet whether it is better or worse. Um, taking away the time that we couldn't actually do anything, well, no one could do anything. Now things are kind of starting to roll again. Um, something that's very interesting is um, like we're doing now this the zoom thing like um, nowadays actors are being asked to audition via zoom and so on the one hand um, producers probably get a lot more auditions or more people come through so it's it's kind of a bit better in terms of speed um, you definitely probably get seen but 
as a as an old school thespian someone who loves theater someone who's about being in the room and feeling the vibe and the energy i think it's important to be face to face with the person that's easier said than done so some of the yeah some of the energy i think may have been changed or moved in a different way and therefore kind of we're having to adjust and that adjustment isn't easy for everybody um some actors specifically um really just want to be in the room so the whole zoom thing might not work for them so um I guess we're, we're seeing another side of actors. We're seeing new skills have to be developed. Um, some of my some of my acting friends have kind of gone from one genre to a complete different genre overnight um, because they're sending out the same tapes. But now, how the um, how the casting directors are seeing it, they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, we've never really looked at it like this." But you're great for comedy, so they're like, "Oh, never thought of that." So things are opening up for different people in different ways. I think this change. It's good for some, bad for others, but only time will tell, to be honest. Like my, me, myself, just so you know, other actors out there and people, um, me, myself, I'm still adjusting. Um, there, there's there's no right or wrong, I don't think. Um, okay. Like I said before, just have no fear, just go for it. Excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we've been talking with uh, Jermaine Hunter, actor uh, from uh, Attack the Block, Yardi, Small Axe, uh, and Lockdown by Bijang Tong. Uh, Jermaine, what what else do, do you have coming up? What's next? What's in the future? Um, funnily enough, um, I was written into a project, but that project has been um, put on hold for a while just because of the whole lockdown. So um, I'm not actually allowed to say said name of project. No, <laughs> fair enough. They, they make us sign something, so... We're not, we're not allowed to say certain things but um it was supposed to be shooting this month hopefully okay. we'll pick it up in december i think that's um going to be shot over in the us hence the the delay um it's something that you guys are really going to enjoy in fact when i do get the green light for everything i'll give you guys a call first and let you get the scoop on it oh um, we deeply appreciate that thank it's you a marvel very much isn't it <laughs> Yes, it's a, it's a Marvel film. It's 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 Black Panther, <laughs> Wakanda forever. No, 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 that aside, um, yeah, I have my own, my own project that I'm working on, so I'm looking to spend a couple of months um, training in the gym, um, getting my my um, kind of choreography up to par, and um, also I, in my own spare time, might be training for a few fights, but. Don't worry about that. That's Fair enough. Going. Jermaine, we, 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 as soon as you have any opportunity to talk about any of your projects, we'd welcome you back uh, to come on the show and talk to us about it. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, thank you all very much for listening to us on Shoot the Breeze at Resonance 104.4 FM. We always love the fact that you give us the opportunity to rant, as me especially, to rant about my favorite things about TV and talk to my, uh, my favorite actors on TV and uh, film. So thank you very much for listening. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. Then thank you for listening and speak to you all next time. Take care. Goodbye. Bye.